It's so, people talking nonsense on the internet. Why should I give that any mind space whatsoever? I got stuff going on, man. I can't so be our, sitting there on my phone. I'm mad at you. My ween is bigger than yours. I have muscles. You know, like I can't be doing stuff. Come on. Come on. I'm almost 40 years old. Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah. I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching a slack. Me and my buddy. All right, guys. Uh, welcome back to Table One Podcast. Justin Young. Art Parman, and a very special guest today, Jonathan Little. Hello. Thank you for having me. You guys are fun. I like your show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, for those that don't know, anyone that's been living under a rock or in a cave, uh, John is the PGT champion. Uh, what was this one called? The 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 Open or the, the Masters? The, 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 the Open, Poker right? Go Cup. Cup. Sorry. Because cup. when you win, they give you a cup. Ah. I actually won two tournaments. And player of the series, which gives you another cup. But I had just a carry on, so I only brought back one, and I'll get the other two later. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> one, so one's enough, so... though, because one one will drink just as good as three in reality. <laughs> that that looks like a nice uh, cheers, cheers. to that. <laughs> oh. Was that a nice Why you laugh? Up? You don't drink out of your cups? I actually did. Like when I won my, my baby cup or whatever, I put scotch in it and drank out of it. Ooh, that'd be a big pour. Yeah, I mean, not the whole thing, but, you know, and whatever I had left uh, after I beat somebody heads up. I don't remember who. You probably already had the whole bottle, so, I mean. <laughs> there, there's, I a reason what, there's a reason they start charging for high-end alcohol at uh, the Poker Guard Studios. No, they do that now? It's on you? It's, well, it's Justin's fault. He broke I, them. So, Brutal. literally, uh, like, after I, I won the cup, I come in, like, the, the following tournament, and, like, the, like, most of the bottles are off the shelf. I'm like, oh, I was I was hoping for some like, you know, McAllen 12 or something simple. They're like, well, you guys have been drinking too much in the studio. So uh, Ari decided to cut back on it. I was like, what do you mean? No one else drinks. And they're like, well, we didn't want to say it. But yeah, it's you. Like, you're just drinking too much. <laughs> like, That's fair. Well, That's OK. <laughs> but they yeah, should just give get... everyone three drink vouchers as well. So you get one $50 food voucher and three drink vouchers of your choice. I mean, or you could just trade it in, which would be fine. Cause I, I think I still have like $230 from the last series that like uh, yet to spend or I can't spend, I guess. For those who don't know, they used to give you unlimited food and drink at the Poker Go studio, which yeah. is great. I love playing in the Poker Go studio. It's my favorite place to play by a mile. But some people would order $150 lunch every day. Yeah. And when I say some, I mean like two people. So they decided to give everyone a $50 food voucher per entry. And so, like, if you're not re-entering early in the series, you just, like, have to pay for your food, kind of. Because, you know, you have food when you arrive, you have food five or six hours in, and, and then you're done. You have two meals. So but one alcoholic. by the end of the series, it. I was say, by the end of the series, everyone has a whole lot of uh, food vouchers. Because you inevitably re-enter, and you bust early sometimes and all that. So everyone had a lot of food vouchers towards the end of the series. So, I don't know. I wonder if they save money on the deal or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean... To your point, like it's it's still a great place to play, and I understand why they're giving out the vouchers because a few people are ruining it for everybody because they're going overboard. And the other I have a much better idea. My idea is if they think you're abusing it, just ban them. Your food banned. Ban them from, from the whole tournament. For the you're just done. If you take, I mean, look, we have a good spot there. Okay, the rake is minimal. It's a great venue. They give you food and drinks. They put you on TV. Don't abuse it. If you abuse it. You're out. You're just out, huh? <laughs> Justin would have been out for his drinks. Sorry, he would have been gone. Well, if I would have known. You like get a, a warning. You should get a warning, right? You should get a warning. <laughs> and you should you be able what? to have the option to buy your own McAllen if you'd like. That's fine. 
Yeah, yeah, or just bring it in and like just tip them to like pour it for me. I'd be fine too. I'd be all right. Same thing with stallers. Get rid of time banks. Just if, if you stall, you're banned. <laughs> John, you should start your own tournament series. This sounds nice. I would definitely yeah, it's play. Good. It's good. <laughs> I mean, it only will attract good people. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll run it by the authorities over at Poker Go for you guys. You guys are. There you go. All right. So future John's <laughs> going to be a tournament director. Let's talk about past John for a little bit. Let's rewind back to. Let's say when John uh, first gets into poker or like kind of starts dabbling. Ooh, Let's yeah. talk about that, John. We like to we like to talk about people's uh, people's not just their discovery of poker, but the the time in your life where it overtook anything else that you were like thinking about doing. So going from all normal started to, yeah. when I was six years old. <laughs> my dad would play chess with me, and he would beat me all the time. He never let me win. But by the time yeah, I was I'm gonna seven, edit out the chess part and just put that my dad would beat me poker. all the time. <laughs> my dad would beat me. <laughs> and after a while, I started beating him. <laughs> by the time I was seven, I could beat him. And so um, I got good at chess as a kid. I would um, you know, play a lot. Whenever I was in middle school, I would wake up at 4 a.m. and play chess for like three hours before school each morning on uh, pogo.com and yahoo.com. That was a thing a long time ago. I remember so I got good that. at chess. Then I found a game, Magic the Gathering. I got good at that. Love Magic the Gathering. I have a giant Magic the Gathering collection. It's fun. I like it because it has financial aspects and strategy aspects and luck aspects, kind of like poker. It's a great poker training ground, and a lot of the best poker players came from Magic the Gathering. So uh, one day after Magic the Gathering tournament, when I was probably 18 years old, maybe 17 years old, a guy said, why don't we play a poker tournament for 10 10-cent cards as the buy-in, so dollar buy-in. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Every time we had a tournament, so two or three times a week for about two months before I realized this guy is just way better than us and he is trouncing us. Maybe he was cheating. Maybe he was way better. He's probably just way better than a bunch of 17-year-old kids. He was an older guy. So I decided to start studying. I'd always studied chess. I'd studied magic. So I started studying poker. I spent all the money I had, a few hundred bucks to uh, get a bunch of poker books. I studied those. And then I put $50 on party poker and Started playing Limit Hold'em because that was the only game they really had back then, playing sure. 25 cent, 50 cent Limit Hold'em. Mm -hmm. And, you know, took it slow. I read about bankroll management. You know, you need to keep 300 big bets and all that. So I was always pretty disciplined with my bankroll. And I turned the 50 bucks into about 30,000 playing Limit Hold'em. And then eventually I moved to Sit and Goes. Sit and Goes are great because they are, they're nine person tournaments essentially. And they, to some extent, replicate a final table with payout implications. And that's good for multi-table tournaments when you get to the end. The, the payouts are not exactly the same, but they're no, really somewhat good. similar, yeah. right? It's better than playing a cash game, right? For learning the payout implications. And I played those until I turned 21 and moved to live poker. So I turned that 30,000 into about 350,000 by the time I turned 21. Then I then I got to work at live poker. So wait, I got you, crushed you for the first even... year. You never even considered like a real like job, a real life. So like, I life. was I was going to college and I was working at a comic book store on the side and I was working at an airport on the side, fueling up airplanes. It wasn't really on the side. It was 40 hours a week working at the airport. But I love the airport job because I figured out how to work the graveyard shift and not a whole lot of airplanes come in on the graveyard shift. So I would show up at 10 o'clock at night. I would do like chores that you have to do every day for like an hour and a half. And then there would just be nothing to do for five hours or you have to do a few more chores at 6 a.m. and then you go home. So I would essentially study or play poker on the company computer 
for five hours each night. And I learned I could download party poker. I could play party poker. That was good. And I would sit there and I would four table $200 buy and sit and goes. And the reason I quit that job is because like three days in a row, this ambulance helicopter came in that needed fuel right in the middle of my session. And I had to pick between like letting someone maybe die or lose $800. So three days in a row, I picked someone not dying over my $800. So I was down 2,400 bucks on my $10 an hour job. And I decided that was not a good deal anymore for me. So I had to quit. Ah, they introduced some uh, some pricks that had just had to get into a car accident in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Flying. Right. So, you know, I'll take care of them. This I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this one time. It like, doesn't happen that often, like once a month yeah. or something. But then three days in a row, they stuck me for 800 a pop. So how, how long were you sitting there? Like, <laughs> can I make it back? <laughs> well, so it's, it's not, so the way the airport was set up is there were two sides to the airport. There was a private side and a commercial side. Our office was on the private side because usually it's the private airplanes coming in in the middle of the night. And usually it's not a big deal because they're not in a hurry, you know, like they just park and you can do it whenever, but um, you can fuel them whenever, but the ambulance has to get out of there. And so they actually were on the commercial side. So you have to drive like 10 minutes over there oh, and fuel sure. them and then 10 minutes back. So you, you can't really blind out for 30 minutes in a sit and go. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you're there was, there was no option. There was no option except for to let them die. But um, you didn't just pile it. There's like pile, 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 pile. Yeah. And then oh, I won just, and I'm out of here. <laughs> You know, I don't even think I did that. I think I just got up and went every time. That was probably fishy, yeah. right? I should have just uh, loaded no, it in. No, I was responsible. You're, so, you're, you're a goddamn hero, John. Yeah, you still need like at least a minute or two to be able to shove that many times. <laughs> I could save yeah, someone's I mean, life. <laughs> yeah, you're smarter so, than me. You should, you, I should have loaded it in a few times in a row. I mean, that's, that's logical. <laughs> I, did, I would just get up and leave like a fish. So we had uh, Shannon Shore on uh, a few weeks ago. and uh, Yeah, my he, Uncle Shannon. Yeah, he, he credited you with uh, kind of uh, inspiring, teaching him uh, through the sit and go uh, relationship you guys built. Was this uh, about the same time around age 21 yeah. for you? This was in that time period. I was, I mean, between the times we were 18 to about 20, we played a ton of sit and goes together online. And, you know, he was there in the chat berating all the fish. He was one of the good players, but he, he had apparently mindset issues or something. And I was like, <laughs> look, buddy, look, buddy, we're, it's obvious we're the winners here. And we do not want to chase off the losers. If you break the fish, they will either do nothing, which is fine, or they may quit, which would be really bad, or they may get better, which is also really bad. So it's like a reverse free roll. Just like, yeah, you get some frustration off your chest, but who cares? Don't be a baby, right? Yeah. So told them not to break the fish. We made friends. And, um, you know, we're still friends today. He was the best man in my wedding a while back and still grinding it out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's good all right so what year was this uh, when you turned 21 i want to know like when you got into the live poker what year was this 2006 2007 i am so you? bad with dates and years but yes it uh, was 2006 it took me a second to figure it out i don't even know how old i am right now i would have to think about it because i have a birthday every year and every year it changes and then i just get confused i don't even know my, I, the other day i didn't know how, much, how old my kids were and they just had a birthday like, i'm bad at this stuff it's tough when dates no are not good for me once you get into I your am, 30s I am 39. Oh, gross. Ugh. Yeah, weird <laughs> age, huh? Yeah. Well, it's better than 40, I suppose. Yeah. We have a thing where uh, whatever age you are, you, you got to play that hand whenever you get it. Uh, or zero. Well, I'm 44 now, so I'm, I'm actually quite happy. Yeah, he's got a good hand this year. You get, The 9-3 is tough, buddy. Yeah, so good luck. But you do have to play it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, fine. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but you may forget how old you are and forget to play it so 
you know. I remember one time, well, Justin used to always get me with the nine two. So he must have been 29 then. That that makes a lot more sense. I'm like, why does he just keep going off with the nine two? Always offsuit. What's his deal? But it's a good fucking hand. You make two pair all the now, time. Now I get it. Now I get it. It makes a lot of sense. Now yeah, now King, I'm like oh. King Nine Two looks safe until you're playing against Justin. Well, yeah, I, I, this is back in the days where like you three bet, four bet, five bet a lot or whatever. So like you know, I think I think I put in the five bet and John was smart or no, like maybe he put in the five bet and I was I was a genius and just flatted the nine dudes <laughs> off. I remember this. We were playing ten twenty no limit at Bellagio. I remember exactly where we were. I had about fifteen thousand dollars at ten twenty, which was like well, a lot of money for me back then. You used to have that fifteen thousand. To be fair, yeah. It, now that money's. <laughs> gone you lost it to somebody else yeah. no, no neither of us have it yeah, nice job idiot <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah that's I, had, true. I had aces john don't, don't berate the fish man he might get better <laughs> let them lose his money how he wants to lose it i won't get better. no he won't i right. played with him just the other day he hasn't got any better <laughs> i guess there are exceptions to the rule <laughs> it was great yeah i i asked john i was like well why can, can I be a, a coach on your site? Like, you know, half joking or whatever. And and John very curtly said, no, no, you're bad at <laughs> <No>. poker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe if you were someone good, I would consider it. <laughs> well, that's fair. All right. So you were 21. You were uh, rising through the ranks, $50 to 350 You never had to redeposit or anything? You just... I never had to redeposit. I was always pretty nitty with my bankroll. And I still am today to some extent. Uh, because I've, I've seen people go broke or get near broke and it's, it'll mess with you. And I mean, like I would hate to have to play for a large chunk of my money. I think I'd probably potentially play poorly. I mean, I'd hope today I have good mindset to the point that I wouldn't play poorly, but I'd rather not be broke than be broke or at risk to going broke. And in exchange for that, you will not make as much money, which is, or not potentially won't make as much money, sure. right? And I was always happy to make less money more consistently than potentially get super rich. Like during the sit and go days, I, I used to play a ton with um, like Phil Galfond and Dave Benefield and Tom Dwan. And they all took shots playing against Guy, the circus lay guy on full tilt. And they went and did that heads up. And those three did well. A few other people did it. They went broke. And I just sat there in super soft sit and goes because five or six of the best players just left. <laughs> and I made my consistent money, but I did not have a chance to win millions in a month. But at the same time, I guaranteed I was not going to go broke and be in a good spot. So maybe that's risk reverse. Maybe it's smart. Maybe it's nitty. I'm not really sure. I probably should have taken a shot in reality, looking back. Because if you lose half your money, like say I have 400K and I lose 200 of it. It's like, yeah, it's bad, but it's not the end of the world. If I have a game I can go back to. I did realize back a long time ago, though, that this game may not last forever because it was just like too good. I, I, I even recognize, a lot, I mean, I think a lot of people don't recognize that. They think their current spot is going to last forever. And it didn't last much, a, whole, a whole lot longer. So I did a good job grinding a ton in a game where I had an edge, and it was close to impossible to lose back then. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah taking shots impor are, are important. You need to take logical shots. <laughs> got to be logical about it. And on top of that, you have to be super disciplined. And I never lost half my bankroll. And to take a shot, I would potentially have half my bankroll on the line, right? And yeah. that may not be good. Also, I was not a heads-up specialist by any means. 100 big blinds deep or deeper, right? So I didn't necessarily feel like I certainly had the skills, um, So, which is a reason to not play, right? Like, if, if you don't know how to play PLO, you probably shouldn't go play big PLO for fun, <laughs> right? So it's, like, not smart. And I realized heads-up, no limit was different than heads-up, 10 big blinds deep in a sit-and-go. So... <laughs> 
I don't know if it was smart to not take the shot or dumb. I'm not really sure, but it ensured I wouldn't go broke. And I'm still hearing I've never been anywhere near broke. Take a take a sip out of that cup. I think it worked out all right. Yeah, it worked out okay. I'm still <laughs> here. Congrats. Still here. So okay. So you get in. How did you get into uh, sit and goes to MTTs, or was it just like a very natural progression, or was it something you're like, oh, this is gonna be new and fun? I turned 21, and I had watched a lot of poker on TV, and I thought those players were bad. And um, turns out I was mostly right. So uh, <laughs> I uh, started playing live poker, but I was bad because I thought I was playing sit and goes. I would sit there and play kind of tight. And I would always get to the top 20-ish percent of the field playing kind of tight, right? But then back a long time ago, they only paid 10% of the field and they were very top heavy, tournaments were. Mm -hmm. um, so I was playing a strategy that would result in me getting in the top 20% a lot, but winning it almost never. And that was a mistake. So I had a really bad first year. I don't know how much I lost, probably like 150K or something out of the, the 400 or so that I had. And that was no good. But then I um, started talking a lot with Dave Benefield and Tom Dwan. They helped me a ton in tournaments and just realized like, okay, you're not playing the same sit and go game, obviously fish. And then, then, then I started winning once I realized I, I had to get all the chips. 2007, right? Specifically. Like that was 2007, 2008 were great years. I was probably doing a lot of things right that combated what people were doing by accident to some extent. Like I would just be aggressive for small bets all the time. People just fold too often all the time and they wouldn't raise enough. They let you realize your equity, right? Um, I didn't realize what I was doing strategically because um, I was just like playing, right? I don't, I don't think people back in 2007 necessarily knew why the things they were doing worked. It just like right. it worked, right? Um, but yeah, I was, I was in a good spot then because people were folding too much and not raising often enough. I wanna, and they I still probably, about, to be uh... fair, they still don't do that today. It's just to a lesser extent. I want to ask you about something small that you just said. Uh... And, and so far, it seems like a theme with you. Uh, you reached out to Shannon Shore to tell him, you know, not to tap the tank. You just said you got <laughs> insight from uh, from Tom Dwan and David Benefield. Like a lot of people don't have the initiative to like reach out, you know, and, and, and make friends with like elite players or even the players that are in your player pool and just like talk to them. What a, how did you, how do you think about how you kind of approached that when you were coming up? So I was pretty active on various poker forums back in the day. And there was a single table tournament forum where we all discussed sit and go strategy. And I guess people liked my advice. I like their advice. And you find the people who you're playing with on a regular basis because their screen name on the site was the same screen name on the poker forums. And so you kind of made friends to some extent. And every Super Bowl, they would have a heads up tournament for the people in this poker forum in Las Vegas. And so we would all go out to Vegas during Super Bowl Sunday and we would play a heads up tournament. So we made friends, right? Yeah. And the fact that I was willing to discuss strategy advice on the poker forum got me the invite to those games. And then that got me in with those people. Um, I talked a lot with Dave Benefield uh, whenever we, I was 18 or 19 years old. He was younger than that. And he was one of the first people to four table and then later 16 table. And he taught me how to do all of that before, like everybody else was playing one, you know? Yeah. And if you can play four times or 16, 16 times as many tables as other people, you will get in a whole lot more volume and make a whole lot more money, even if you're making uh, less money per table. So we were friendly. We were chatting. I mean, I don't know. We were doing the same thing at the same time, right? It's like if you are playing the one 100-200 game locally that runs and there's one other good player in the game, you're probably going to make friends. And so just being willing to collaborate and help each other is, is very beneficial because we realized there was plenty of money to go around for everyone. 
Um, that said, I, a lot of my poker friends I met through Shannon Shore. He likes to talk to everyone. Probably Justin. I probably <laughs> met Justin through Shannon Shore. I don't know that, how. I that met is Justin. true. No, that that is. And right. <laughs> well, it, it it's almost all, all of my friends I met through poker today are pretty much through Shannon. So uh, <laughs> he's our uncle. He he's our uncle. He likes to talk to people. It was like a joke. I'd say, "Oh, go talk to him," and he would just walk right over there and talk to people. I was a little That's bit right. <laughs> shy, but uncle has no problem just walking right up and talking to people about anything. And then he's in, and then if he's in, then I'm in. That's cool. Yeah, no, I love that. It's a, uh, it's not an easy, easy skill to master. I think live live poker helps you a lot because you have to talk to you know your neighbor if you don't want to sit there on your headphones with your hood on. So it also, does help. Funny enough, I used to sit there with my headphones and my hood and sunglasses on. I I just went back and rewatched this player of the year video I had from 2008 or seven or whenever it was, and I had this hoodie and sunglasses and I didn't talk to anyone, and I uh, I took seventh place in this tournament. I remember it vividly and. Where I got at uh in Biloxi, where I had half the chips ten handed and I busted in seventh place. I doubled up everyone. The last hand I had pocket queens against queen eight of clubs and he flopped a royal flush all in pre flop obviously. And uh, I was like so mad. I could like go get transported back to that moment where it's like what is happening. <laughs> but so yeah, I used to not I used to not talk to anyone at the poker table. I was like it was in my mind. I was trying to be menacing almost. But I realized that it's way better when you're just nice and happy both for you and for your opponents. And if you make a good, casual, fun environment, people are way more likely to play fun and casually against you compared to if you're obviously taking the game seriously. I think that's a great lesson, John. It is yeah. a good lesson. It took me way too long to learn it. Yeah. Uh, you guys, uh, Both of you learned it early. You guys were loosey-goosey, having a sandwich and everything. No problem for you. <laughs> having a sandwich. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I, I had a few years of uh, whatever. It was, it was the hot trend. You see your favorite poker player or the player that's hot you know, with their not talking to anybody and super focused, you're like, oh, I need to be like that. But like, you know, yeah, it was very quick and uh, apparent, uh, maybe 2008, nine for me that I was like, that's, it's not fun. Like why, why play if you're not going to have fun? So I was like, can I have fun and win at the same time? And that's, that's how I kind of like bridge the gap between the, the two. Yeah. So I study game design a decent amount for fun. And the problem with a lot of games is that the ideal strategy is not the most fun strategy. And to be fair, the ideal strategy for poker is probably to be quiet and to focus, especially if you're playing against other players who are trying to play the ideal strategy of be quiet and focus, right? Which is why you see a lot of these super high roller final tables, no talking, everyone taking 30 seconds, every decision, and it's boring for everyone there, but they do not care because their goal is not to have fun. Their goal is to win, right? And um, I'm all for doing things to make the the ideal strategy, the fun strategy. And like, I mean, live cash games are a great example of this. The, the ideal strategy is very often the fun strategy because you have to keep the fun players there and they want to have fun, right? Like in cash, in cash games, particularly the, the good players give an experience in exchange for the bad players money. Right. And so you have to make sure they're having a good time. And I think a lot of people don't get that, especially tournament players, but to be fair, the structure kind of, induces them to have to play the not fun strategy. I decided, though, I don't care about money so much. I'm just going to have fun and enjoy myself. <laughs> well, it, it My wife actually that. told me at the final table, she's like, John, you don't shut up. The commentators can't talk. <laughs> like you talk the entire final table. Like, uh, you know, whatever. It's so funny because I used to sit there and literally say nothing. I said nothing for like 12 years. <laughs> now I just say whatever, I, whatever comes to my mind. Uh, that's, that's what, that's why at least friends of yours, anyway, that's why we love you, John. I'm being dead serious. It's just, yeah, I think I think a lot of people out there don't know don't know the inner John. I don't know the inner John. This is my first time really uh, 
interacting with you. And I already like you 10 times more than before I knew you. So you this, is, this is great. Good. So, so uh, let's just breeze past some of your accomplishments real quick and we'll move on or whatever. But like blah, blah, so blah, blah, 2007, blah, I think you had a couple million dollar scores. There was like, whatever. You got a first place in Foxwoods, a second place. Let's call it. That trophy is Foxwoods. That trophy <laughs> is Mirage. Mirage. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Careful, your arms might get tired. Oh gosh, I got so many trophies. I got a whole bunch up there too. Oh my gosh, so many trophies. I got a bunch in storage too. Oh my gosh, some stuck in Vegas can't even get them. So when I won the tournament the other day, they showed uh, your heads up record. Like I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently I had 16 wins and 12 losses. Oh, which I guess is pretty good. Now 17 wins and 12 losses. I mean, I guess I'd sign for that, right? Yeah, I, that's crazy. I did not know I'd won 17 tournaments, but apparently that's a lot of top twos also. Yeah, it is <laughs> no, there's, but there's still a I mean, typically you get heads up, like chip leads could be like either or or whatever, but like it shows you you're beating another very skilled opponent heads up in a in a battle. But like that goes to your sit and go record where you you're very comfortable heads up and like most of these times I'm sure you're sub 40 blind, sub 30, sub 20 or whatever. But like I will say I'm actually not so comfortable in the big blind anti heads up game where you have to play 100 percent of hands. Yeah. Um, I have done my best to study and I've clearly studied more than a lot of my opponents because I played against them and see them making blunders, but I certainly don't feel like I'm nearly as good at that as the other non-anti-structure. Cause they used to play a ton of heads up thousand dollar and $2,000 singles online. So I'm like pretty good at those, right? I'm certainly not terrible, but you can make some pretty big mistakes with this big blind anti because you're just always getting good odds. Like for example, people raise way too small. They're min raising or 2.5 X and they're like, you need to make it three X or four X from in position because winning the blinds is very important and out of position against the limp. You need to be making like five X, but no one does it. They haven't studied, so that's good. <laughs> well, I hope they don't watch this video. <laughs> yeah, well, you oh. never make heads up, so a lot of people don't do it any time. <laughs> I was going to say, it would be contingent on us actually getting heads up in a tournament, not you and I, just either one of us getting heads oh, up. Oh, I'm not getting in heads up in any tournaments, but people watching might be. And uh, <laughs> and if they want to pay tribute to, uh, to John Little, speaking of... Uh, breezing past his accomplishments into uh, you've you've moved on into the world of business. I feel like I've always seen you ever since I started playing at the World Series. You're just you had a stand with your book signing and selling your books and you're just always grinding like educationally as well. Like how, what made you want to like do that? So I was always posting on the online poker forums. So sharing information was easy enough for me. And eventually people wanted private coaching. So I said, sure. And quite often, people would ask a question I thought was somewhat generic. And so I would just write an article. I'd write a write, write about it, right? I'd write however much I needed to write about it. And after a while, I had, I don't know, 300 articles or something on standard spots, right? And a book publisher from D&B Poker, a guy named Byron Jacobs, came to me and said, hey, I'd love for you to write a book. I said, no, that's convenient. I have 300 articles that I could probably put together into a book. So I put those 300 articles together, filled in the blanks, and I had a book. Actually, it was, we had to make it three books because it was too long for one book. <laughs> books only need to be about 300 pages, and this was like 900. So we had lots and lots and lots of content, and we made some books. That was good. And roughly the same time, a few of my sit-and-go friends decided to make a sit-and-go training site where we would help people learn to beat sit-and-goes because we were very good. That was probably a bad idea, though, because sit-and-go player pool was not very big at the high stakes. And the games got a lot tougher a lot faster, probably because... the bad players that six or eight of them decided we should probably watch this. And <laughs> that made the games a whole lot tougher. And like today, sit and goes are close to dead at the high stakes. 
you can beat them for rake back maybe. So we killed the sitting goes. And um, then I moved to tournaments and, you know, like whatever, I'll, I'll still keep making content. But over the last, I don't know, 15 or so years, I decided to like really ramp it up and make the training site a priority because it's not that hard for me to make the content. And I don't, it's like, it's not, it doesn't feel like a job. But at the same time, I realize that having income coming in each month is, is very, very valuable because you don't have to worry about the bills, right? <laughs> so if you don't have to worry about the bills, you can kind of do whatever you want. And yeah, I recommend everyone get some money coming in. <laughs> what, what is, what is the, the website for those out there that don't know? The website is pokercoaching.com. Check it out. We, uh, we have many, many world-class players who make content for us and I learn from them. I mean, at this point, I either hire coaches who I think will be very good at teaching beginners or people who I really want to learn from personally. And so like we brought on Chris Brewer recently, who's super, super good tournament and cash game player. And he's a crusher. Um, Brock Wilson's another one. Jonathan Jaffe, Adam Hendricks for Potlum at Omaha. He gets in there and battles. We have Justin Saliba. I started teaching Justin Saliba when he was playing five cent, 10 cent. And <laughs> I coached him for a few years. And now he's better than me. Now he teaches me. So <laughs> we have a, a great roster of people who I personally want to learn from and I get to share it with everyone else, which is great. That's awesome. That that domain, pokercoaching.com, that's such a good one. Did you have to buy that? I got that from my first poker coach. I, I've hired a bunch of poker coaches throughout my career. And this guy named Bill Seymour, who is an older guy, he's probably 70-something or 80-something now, he um, had this site, pokercoaching.com, for him and one other guy. And it was for private coaching only. It's just like a landing page here. Here we are, get coaching. So I said, sure. So I got coaching. I was one of his better students. I mean, he's coached a lot of people as well, like Negranu and Phil Ivey and, hmm. you know, like a who's who of good players just randomly from traveling the circuit. Wow. And uh, he decided that he was going to semi-retire slash retire and let me buy it from him for a relatively cheap price. So I'll That's take great. it. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. You'll find that if you put yourself out there and do good work, a lot of good things just fall in your lap. And you create your own luck, like your like your recent podcast, right? I mean, hey, at the end of the day. You listen to it. All right. <laughs> I've listened to many of your episodes. I mean, and I thought that was a good one. And it's very true. I mean, like you really create your own luck with table one, right? I mean, super duper create your own luck. You make it come to you. And I found that a lot of stuff has just fallen right in my lap, like pokercoaching.com domain. Sweet. Yeah, that's a that's a big score right there because I'm sure if you if even without your traffic and just that domain <laughs> name by itself is is probably worth six figures. So if I yeah. ever go broke, I can I can dump it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so how are you uh balancing your business, your poker coaching with actual playing poker? Like do you do you find a some you find it hard to like kind of keep up with the Joneses without playing 300 days a year, or is it kind of like uh, easier for you? So I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old son. And for like four years or so after the seven-year-old was born, I did not play much poker at all. That was kind of during COVID time too. So I, I like purposely took time off. Like a, a big benefit of making the business do well is that I, I don't have to go play poker, right? Because I have income coming in. So I got to stay home for like four years and I probably got a little bit behind, you know? I mean, I'm always making a point to study and consume a lot of the content that comes through poker coaching, but at the same time, I'm not in there playing, right? So over the last two or three years, I've ramped it up a little bit more, but 
I made a decision like halfway through last year that I'm really going to ramp it up and start playing more like half of the time. Whereas before I was playing maybe a fourth of the time. And fourth time meaning like one month, one week per month, give or take, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I'm in a spot where I think I have very good mindset and I roughly know what I want to do in most spots to the point that I don't think I necessarily need to be practicing playing, you know, like actually playing as much as a lot of people do. And I'm also pretty fortunate that I get spoon fed a lot of the best strategy advice that's coming out from my coaches. Um, that's, that's very beneficial. Like before the $10,000 final table where I won this drinking glass, uh, Justin Sleeman made me a video. He made me like a 30 minute long video saying, okay, this is, this is where we are. Make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're not doing this against these opponents. You probably don't want to take these bluffs. Maybe take, maybe go wider for value, et cetera, et cetera. So I just got like a 30 minute crash course on my exact spot, right? By a, a great ICM expert. Um, before I got heads up for the 25K, I busted Justin. We had not talked any strategy before that final table because he was there too. Um, I'm like, all right, get out the heads up stuff. So he got out the heads up <laughs> stuff, gave me a 10 minute talk on the break and just like refresher, you know? And like having access to that type of thing is very beneficial because I get exactly the stuff I need right when I need it. And I mean, on the site, to be fair, you can search whatever you need and it, it will be there. Like I mean, a similar heads up crash course will be available on poker coaching. If you just go there and you search it. But I, I, I have very easy access to a lot of great information. And I think that helps me stay good despite not playing a ton. And I, to be fair, look, I spend a lot of time studying poker just because I mean, it's your job. job. I, wa I watch <laughs> content from like every poker training site. It's like market research in my mind. And I see a lot and I study a lot. That's good. Yeah. One of the things that kind of overwhelms us with running, running table one, I think a lot of people don't know all the, all the stuff that goes into it, but just like keeping up with the meetings and the text messages and all the people. And like, I can't even imagine for you, you've got like contractors or employees or however you call your coaches and you, you probably have just so much on your plate to deal with all the time and then to also be performing at a, at a high level is, is really impressive. Well, so speaking about business at this point, Justin Saliba runs the poker side of the business to some extent. And I have another guy, Brian, who runs the call it business side, um, you know, websites, email marketing ads, apps, products, et cetera. So I have two people who are very good in my opinion, and they do a very good job. And it's my job to make sure they don't screw up. And luckily they don't screw up all that much. That plus I make some content. Like today, I'm going to make 14 YouTube videos that'll last for a month, right? So I'm going to knock out a lot of content today and I don't have to worry about YouTube for a month. We have a team that posts all the stuff to YouTube and makes all the thumbnails and all that stuff. So I've outsourced a lot of things to people who can do either as good as I can or almost as good as I can or, or ideally better than I can. And I think that's an important skill. And, and again, like all these people who work for me just kind of fell on my lap because they like the content that I make and they like what I put out. And um, I think that's important. I, I think it's good to have employees who really want to work with you because they like you. And if they like you, they're going to do good work for you. So again, I'm very fortunate that I made my own luck in this instance because I was doing everything by myself for a long time and not doing particularly well, but eventually it worked out. Yeah, I was going to ask how the uh, transition period was because I'm making all the thumbnails and the, <laughs> the videos currently. <laughs> hire somebody. You just got to hire somebody. You got to pay. But I mean, okay. it's good if you're making money, right? So, I mean, the problem is, is that it's hard to make money with a podcast because where are you going to make money from, right? You got to sure. run ads or you really got to run ads is what it amounts to or get people in your game and make money from that, right? So you, maybe that's a revenue source depending on how you view it. But I mean, so look, I was running the training site by myself, losing like $5,000 per month, maybe 
know, maybe 12 years ago. Timing's off. I'm bad. I'm bad with times. So 12 years ago, I was losing about 5,000 bucks a month just on content mostly. And I randomly met a guy at a casino who said, why don't you make a video for me? And I will try to sell it. He was out of some marketing school and he wanted to give it a try. He seemed fine enough. And I said, sure. So I decided to play 180 person sit and goes, $10 buy-ins for like 12 hours. I was going to make like a video of me playing these games all day. And I won like 400 buy-ins in the day. It was ridiculous. I just like won it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Uh, so he had this video and then in the first month he sold about $10,000 worth of this video. Like, Oh, this is good. So I went from losing 5k a month. Now all of a sudden making 5k a month. And, um, I've been with that guy ever since he's been one of my marketing partners ever since then. And, uh, again, just someone fell in my lap because I was making some <laughs> content and he knew I existed. And that's, that's sick. How did he, uh, yeah. he sold it to other training sites? Yeah, what's the strategy? He sold VHS. that primarily. Yeah. No, yeah. VHS. <laughs> Uh, no, he sold it through this platform called ClickBank, which is an affiliate platform where people sell it for you and then you give them half the profits or some amount of the profits. I don't, I don't even know if that thing's still up and running, but that, that's how he was moving it. And then once people buy that, they would go sign up to my training site a lot of the time. So yeah. then the training site started to make money. And eventually we decided to stop selling individual products. We sold individual products every month for like probably five years. Then another guy I found who came into my life randomly. He was like, look, you really need to probably go the Netflix model and make everything included. So instead of trying to make one sale each month, we recognize people would maybe buy three things a year with $300 per customer. Now we can instead do the Netflix thing, charge $100 a month, give them access to everything. And you get more than $300 per customer and they get access to more stuff. And uh, with any luck, they, they stay forever because we add a lot of value, right? And... That's the model we have today. We don't sell any individual products, only one membership, and it gives you everything. Yeah. Speaking from a couple of college buddies of mine, they they signed up. They appreciate it. They love the the content. Good. I have and not I mean, because there's nothing left for me to learn, really. Right. You're so good. <laughs> but I mean, like, look, we try to do things to make it easy for people. Like, uh, we have we have a money back guarantee. You can sign up if you don't like it. Let us know within a month. You get all your money back. And so, like. Even the money we if lost. I do not add value. Your strategies. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. What if we? What if we lose money using your? John strategy? told me to play this way. He said my money would come back. I don't, I don't give you that money back. I give you only <laughs> back the membership costs. But I mean, look. At the end of the day, if I do not add value, I do not want or deserve your money, in my opinion. And I think that's important. I don't. I'm not sure if other training sites do this kind of thing, but try it. You know, you try it. And if you don't like it, get your money back. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't want to doesn't want to do anything though sometimes so some of you guys stay stay on board the other people you guys can <laughs> so speaking of some of your uh content or advice or whatever uh you had a post about uh defending the big blind that mm. to me made perfect sense I, I i know i'm not really your target audience per se but maybe i am uh but it made very very much sense to me and like it's something that i imply myself uh you know, just, just every day since I play, you know, five days a week on average or whatever, like you kind of like find your niche of what's reasonable, what's not reasonable, even though it might be profitable in the long run, but out of position uh, against good players is difficult. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I remember I did uh, some commentary. This is probably five or six years ago, right. When like defending the big blind became kind of cool and hip where you're supposed to do it like all the time. And uh, I can't remember who the, uh, the straight laced commentator was, but he asked me about it. And I was like, well, Look, it depends who's doing it, because if I'm doing it against, I think the example I used was Nick Shulman, because I think he was in the, the final table I was commenting on. 
I was like, I'm probably going to be fairly tight because Nick Shulman's really freaking good. And like, what what value am I really gaining by like, you know, defending wide against someone that's probably better than me? Like, it doesn't make sense. And it, whatever, like nothing really happened from that, obviously, but like that, that kind of like stuck with me and like this, the, the trends to become like cool and hip and like everyone's supposed to do these certain things. If you don't know how to apply them properly, I don't think you should try to apply them at all. Like it's, it's a, uh, it's like, I've talked about this many times. Like every time I read a poker book to make myself better, I would always go on a huge downswing because I had no idea. Like I would try to apply these things irrationally or just across the board without any thought attached to it. And inevitably I, I would just lose because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And for those that don't know, the tweet was uh, something like if the solver says call out of the big blind with King five off, and you're making money against another computer that's raising in that spot, then you basically should not do that if you don't understand how to proceed on like the turn in river, right? Like you're good. I, I thought it was pretty clear that you were saying like, hey, don't do not do something you're not comfortable with if you're gonna fuck up. Right. <laughs> yeah, so look, you gotta realize all the, like whenever you're in the big blind facing raise, all the hands that are on the cusp of playability when you basically know money at all, like even if you're perfect, right? So if you're not perfect, especially with the hands that are going to be difficult to play, like King-5 offsuit, probably find a fold. And it is find a fold. I mean, I, I know for a fact I overfold a little bit from the big blind against good players when they raise. Now, if your opponent's going to be tight and passive and straightforward post-flop, you should maybe over-defend, right? But if they're going to be good and aggressive, then yeah, it's fine to overfold a little bit. The problem with this tweet is that it did not use a good example. It actually used an example of Daniel Legrand who said, where, um, say somebody raises, you call the big blind with ace-10, it comes queen-9-3, you check, they bet small. He's recommending folding. And I'm not sure that's the best example. I have I have a team for Twitter to some extent, and they pulled this quote, and they, they posted it, right? And I think they could have picked a better example. And I even said, as soon as um, Matt Berkey seemed to really not like the idea that you can fold in a spot, I'd say, like, look, it could have been a better example. Make it on, on queen, what was what? I already forgot the queen board. Say it's uh, queen nine three. Say you have king eight. You know, like maybe that's a little bit weaker. Maybe you can fold that one with no backdoor draws, whatever, right? Um, even against like a one big line bet, probably win some tiny fraction of a big blind by defending or raising, whatever. Um, so anyway, immediately clarify the situation, but it seems like some people think if you write something, it means that you definitively mean it forever <laughs> and that you are not allowed to change your mind. And that's that. But yeah, I mean, look, especially out of position against aggressive players, very marginal spots, pre-flop or post-flop, it's probably fine to bail out early. And you give up a tiny bit of EV in exchange for potentially not giving up a whole lot of EV because you, know, you find yourself on the river, you're not, no, not sure if you're supposed to bluff or check raise the turn or whatever, right? Cool. Yeah, no, I think that that sums it up pretty well. So uh... Seems logical. Yeah. The problem is, is, again, the example was not a good one. It could have been a better example, and we immediately clarified it with a better example. Right, and like I know care. you didn't delve into the discussion between Berkey and Negron, uh, you too much, or I didn't see your, if you did, I didn't see much of your responses no. in their thread. Do you have any feeling? I learned, I, learned a long, I learned a long time ago from dealing with internet trolls to just not engage the internet trolls. It's very important to not let people who want to get in your mind with negativity do that, right? And Look, I don't really have any problems with Berkey besides he just randomly tries to trash the stuff I write. But he seems to have very strong opinions about lots of things. And if someone has strong opinions about lots of things and they're very sure they're right, 
their opinions probably don't matter all that much. We cannot be right about all sorts of things all the time. It does not exist. And, um, you know, again, the example I used was not ideal. I gave a better example. So I'm done with it, you know, and, and I agree. It was not the best example. I'm done. So I'm flattered that he spends so much time thinking about me and my posts, but I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about him. <laughs> I love that. That's good. Well done, John. Yeah. Uh, that was perfect. Yeah, you, stuff, you, you don't need you don't need that shit in your life. Come on, guys. No, like, Come on, get real. To, to be fair, get real. It's people so, talking nonsense on the internet. Why should I give that any mind space whatsoever? I got stuff going on, man. I can't so be our, sitting there on my phone. I'm mad at you. My ween is bigger than yours. I have muscles. You know, like I can't be doing stuff. Like that. Come on. Come on. I'm almost 40 years old, guys. I got a wife we and kids and a business. And like, yeah, we just learned he's 39 right now. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got stuff going on. But so art art handles all the the social media part of this. Like I literally show up beer in hand and just kind of talk for a little while. He handles everything else, including the comments. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like he'll spoon feed me the uh, the good comments. He's like, oh look, Justin, this guy likes our uh, our content. I'm like, oh wow, everyone likes our content, and he gives me none of the bad stuff. So to me, I'm guessing there's zero bad stuff. I'm guessing everyone just loves everything we do. So it's your it's podcast nice. is amazing. Why would they not love it? <laughs> there you I go. I mean, there look, I I uh, I mean. I would say Justin Sleba helped me a lot with this. He's like, look, the right strategy when people are posting negativity is to just sit back and let people defend you as opposed to trying to defend yourself. And I mean, here comes in Negranu, no problem. He's firing away defending <laughs> Guns me. Guns are blazing. And, and, he, and he's happy to do it. I mean, I was sitting there with him playing poker and I'm like, feel free to post it if you want, man. I mean, it, it's up to you. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm posting it. <laughs> like, all right, cool. And I mean, like, you know, I have tons of students who I've helped at poker and like, I, I know I'm sitting here adding tons of value. And if you know you're adding value and not tearing things down, I mean, like, why worry about people talking sporadic nonsense about you on the internet, especially if you know it's often not even accurate. For example, yeah. Berkey said we have no cash game uh, coaches on our site without recognizing we have some of the biggest winners at cash games on our site. Just like, he hasn't looked at the content. He hasn't looked at the content. What do you want me to do? And again, this goes back to the idea that some people think they know a lot about everything because maybe they're okay at poker. And I don't think that's accurate, especially if you've never even looked at the content on my site. They've watched one beginner YouTube video I posted designed for beginners and think Jonathan Little only has beginner content. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me that uh, that people would, I mean, I guess I could see how people would would think it, but like just from this conversation, I can see that like not only are you making money selling you know winning content to to everybody out there who wants to win but like you are actually the fact that you are consuming it and like your coaches you're hiring are coaching you like in big spots like that's that's big to you're i could see that you're a lifetime learner and you're you're oh, yeah. like willing to willing to what should i say sacrifice ego you know right. for for the greater good of your bankroll and just in general yeah, I don't, I mean, definitely a lifelong learner. I have a stack of books under my desk I have to read. I have like 50 books under there. Oh my God, that takes up a lot of mind space. Stuff I need to get through. I have a lot of stuff to do. I can't be posting on Twitter and all that. Anyway, um, yeah, it's important to always learn. What's, what a, uh, what's a non-poker book that you're reading right now? How to Collect Art. Hey, I'm, hey, here's one. You gotta get I got one. <laughs> All right, check. There you go. First book on top of my desk. Um, oh, what was I going to say? You guys got distracted when you were talking about art. 
<laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I study a lot. Studying important. learner. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say that. I don't think I have ego problems like some people do. I think a lot of poker players either come and approach poker from the point of view of, I am great, I'm way better than everybody, look how smart I am. And others come from the point of view of, I am trying to solve this difficult puzzle game. And I think I've always been, I'm trying to solve this puzzle game point of view. And I realize I'm not the best poker player in the world. I mean, I've, I mean, I was player of the year once, but like, even then I realized I, I, I'm, I could be better. Right. And I think I probably have always struggled with like self-confidence issues to some extent for, for no logical reason, but I've never really like gone into anything thinking I'm just the absolute best by a mile or that I'm definitively going to win or anything like that, because there's variance and I'm sure I could be better, right? And I'm always trying to improve on the things that I'm not necessarily good at. Like against Justin 07, I had to learn to, you know, combat the 9-2 offsuit 5 bet. What's the <laughs> best way to do this? The right answer is keep a gigantic bankroll because it's going to spike on you sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you learn how to get in there and fix the things that give you trouble. Yeah, I, I, I work hard, study a lot, and I think, I think that's that's a way to win way more often than just showing up and thinking you're way better than your opponents. Yeah, that, that takes a lot of self-control. Uh, to your point, like when you say there's two kinds of poker players or successful poker players, I think it weighs super heavy on the more egotistical part. Yeah. Um, to the point where it's almost almost an anomaly of the, the type of player you are. Because like I know I fall into the other one where, whatever, I'm not the same player whether I win or lose. Like I, I, I stormed <laughs> off yesterday, I think twice. And like, I played the hands fine for what it's worth, but like, you know, in the moment, it's just like irrational thoughts and, you know, flooding your mind of like, oh, he sucks, I suck, whatever, whatever it is. And uh, it, it takes a lot of uh, self-control to like take a deep breath and just be like, yeah, all right, that's going to happen. And I, yeah, and that, so that's really tough because the, uh, the, the type of people especially type of people that want to be professional poker players. I feel like it draws people in who are lazy by nature. Like we don't want to have a job. We don't want to, you know, be regimented and, and author authoritarian control over us. So we're just like, by nature, there's a, there's a big rebel aspect to being a poker player. So I, it's very hard to also to do poker and then also to do it because with a, with an attitude like you have, which is like staying on top of like trends in poker and, and coaching and improving your game, even after you have had all this success. I mean, I think I like poker because it's a meritocracy to some extent where, you know, you can start with nothing. And if you apply yourself and you play in games where you have an edge and you play a ton, you will make money as long as you keep a proper bankroll. And I love that idea. And I love that I've been able to teach many people to do exactly that if they just have the discipline to recognize find a game you can beat, play it a lot and keep a proper bankroll and you will win definitively. And I don't mind putting in hours. Like when I used to work at the airport, I was happy to work doubles all the time. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, don't have anything else going on. I can study poker. Why would I not? Justin, you mentioned like ideas going through your mind. Like he sucks, I sucks, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have any of those thoughts going through my mind at all. I, I don't know how I got rid of them or even if I ever really had them, but I think my mind's like super clear when I'm playing poker. I'm just like sitting there trying to make good decisions. And I mean, certainly stuff pops in my mind and I tell it to leave me alone, but I think self-talk is very important and somehow I've gotten myself to be silent and I just sit there and try to think what the range chart looks like and how to adjust the range chart based on the spot. And I, I think that's what a lot of the, uh, some of the best players do, not all certainly, 
Yeah. Like, and, I mean, you, you really think Stephen Chidwick's sitting there thinking, oh man, I'm so stupid. No way. No. That guy's <laughs> really thinking, not. what does range chart look like? How do I adjust it? Do it. But like, That's all you really got to do to win a poker. <laughs> Find the range chart, adjust it logically, do the thing, you win. <laughs> yeah, I easy. mean, easy. <laughs> easy. <laughs> That'll be $100. It's clearly yeah. not easy. <laughs> But like even uh, when I when I doubled you up deep and like we were near the bubble or whatever in that tournament like last week or whatever like I was, yeah, was I was mumbling to myself and like that, I understand I I mean I had a good hand back nine well, what do you want I flopped yeah, top okay. there all right yeah <laughs> good flop good flop for you but like you know, even in like I'm sure you heard me like mumbling to myself as I held on to my my half a big blind for a few hands or whatever but like <laughs> but like yeah, I I I appreciate what you're saying and I think if you're gonna approach poker from a pure uh purely uh professional mindset like your your way is clearly the best way or like the way the, the top professionals handle it are is clearly the best way and like i've i've explored that like uh eric base baldy baldwin has like tried to like help me with this this is probably 10 years ago where to your point where you're like you're not thinking about when you get it all in you're thinking about okay what what am i going to do the next hand you're not even focusing on the turn the river if you're going to win or not it's it's all about focus about the next hand and he tried to to help meditate or like, you know, help me through those moments. But like, I, I, I've constantly, and to my fault, clearly my fault, like I've always chosen fun. And to me, like fun means more, let your emotions show, like, you know, like, let, let your flags fly a little bit and just like, just, just have fun with your, your mistakes and have fun with your glory at the same time. And I, I know so this you can have, well, go ahead. No, I was just like, I, I know this isn't the proper way to be a uh, upper echelon poker player. And like, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my, uh, station in the poker world of never being you know the 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 top player or probably not even the second tier player or whatever um and i'm not saying i'm right but like i i find my my life most of the time being quite more enjoyable yeah so like in my mind you can have plenty of fun like i have, pl I have plenty of fun when i play yeah. poker now but i also for whatever reason don't experience a lot of emotions that i think a lot of people experience right like with your jack nine hand We'll tell everybody how bad it was. You, we were near the bubble, I think. You yeah, limped we from were. the small blind with Jack Nine. I had pocket kings. I always have a good hand against Justin because I know he's going to rip it in my face. So uh, I race a three, three and a half big blinds, whatever. And then Justin just rips it all in for what, 27 or something. I was like 23, so, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. What, whatever it is. So in the spot, what were you thinking when you ripped it in? So John I has thought, nothing easy all in. Yeah, I, I, I thought that you had plenty of raising hands uh, that you would have to fold to a rip to. I guess. I thought you were full of shit probably like a third of the time uh, in all honesty. So I thought it was going to be like a snap fold. And the rest of the time, you know, the other like not two thirds, but probably closer to like, you know, 40% of the time that like, you know, you're going to have a hand that puts you in a real tough spot. And since we're near the money, not that you're like a penny pincher, like trying to like, you know, get sneak into the money, but like hands like ace 10 or pocket fours or pocket sixes, even like you're just going to have to shrug and fold, which is. Well, I will tell you, I would, I would never raise those on the bubble. Ace 10. Yes. Sixes. No. Okay, we'll see. Because because I think you're gonna rip it in on me a lot. I'm gonna be super polarized here. Like I don't even know, like okay. nines and better, ace ten and better, king queen, and then total junkers. Queen, see, queen and like I, I, I read it the like other that. way because like I don't know what exactly what you think of me outside of I know you think I'm an, an idiot, not an idiot, but like you know, <laughs> actually uh, I'm pretty sure you think I'm an idiot, which is fine. But like I I, I did think. Uh, you you wanted to kind of gain uh range advantage with a better hand a lot of the time 
uh, and play a, a slightly bigger pot against somebody on the bubble. So, like, may, I, clearly, I was wrong with that read. <laughs> like, Plus, I'll Justin tell you, on the bubble, Justin loves to call. So, I, I thought I would think you would want to you would want to be more linear so that he could he would peel a flop a lot. Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> yeah, but not with like pocket sixes or pocket fours. You know, like yeah. you're not yeah. you're not crushing it with pocket sixes. But then or Jack fours. Nine's I mean, doing ace, okay ace against uh, against ace king and ace queen. You know, it just you happen to have kings. I think we got our hand of the week this week. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I just got unlucky. So like, <laughs> yeah, you got unlucky. You're right. That was it. No trouble. Bad beat, buddy. You just ran into I, it. Somehow John Lill always has aces or kings when you decide to put in all your money. That's just bad luck for you. Should we have like an anti-pokercoaching.com where, where Justin does like hands <laughs> and then and then we have like actual poker coaches come in and they just like tear them apart, tear them apart hmm. weekly? That, that, that would actually be nice. All I, right, we got the money-making opportunity for the podcast now. <laughs> On our, on our website, we have a few people who come in as like students. Like we have Rampage Poker who punts his face off anytime he has a chance. And uh, he goes through hands with Chris Brewer. And Chris That's is like, awesome. this is so far off the game tree. <laughs> Nowhere close. There you go. I mean, he's like, maybe it's fine if he's going to fold way too often, but he's just not. He knows you're a punter. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I get it now. All right. He knows you're a punter. I mean, he's, he's going to call. Obviously. I can't, I, can't, I can't remember who was at the table. But as I was sulking, probably mumbling or whatever, I think someone else at the table was like, well, it came Jack High. Like, he probably would have gone bust anyway. And I was like, that's <laughs> not fucking right. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just condescending. Well, to be fair, you probably would have gone broke anyway. You get a Jack. Yeah. Top pair. <laughs> Can't be but going around folding top pair. I will bluff. Oh, my God. Yeah. I tripled it off on the on the on one of the bubbles against Byron Caverman. And I don't know. That was that was Robert 07 style. Just this, you know, yeah. off a gut shot, check, raise, flop, bet, turn, jam, river, no problem. Out. Uh, but I got a. <laughs> I could tell you after the call, but I got a nasty uh, read on Byron, so I I, I can mm. tell you his tell for the future. Sorry, Byron, but Jay Little's gonna start owning. I'll take it. Byron just <laughs> always has it against me, kind of like I have it against Robert. Byron has it against me. Sorry, Justin Robert. We all call Justin Robert. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for for anyone that's confused. My online poker name when uh, John <laughs> and I met was Robert 07 and since then there's. I think about half a dozen people in the poker community that don't know my real name is Justin. They they call me Robert. And <laughs> though I'm pretty sure John knows my name is Justin, he will never refer to me as anything other than Robert or Robert 07. Dr. Robert 07. Dr. Robert 07, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I'm only a doctor and donking. Do Dr. Donking, <laughs> next screen. But, but so anyway, in spots like that, if I was in your shoes, I would have limped. I would have gotten raised. I would have thought, okay, what's this raising range look like? Fine. Is it going to be decent? Do you think I am anywhere near decent? And if you know what decent looks like, just call and see the flop. Yeah. But instead you're thinking either you don't know what decent is because you haven't studied it, or John's just trying to push me around. And he's going to fold the ace-10 or the pocket sixes to a shove or whatever. And I don't really have those thoughts. I just presume everyone there is going to make pretty decent plays without a good reason to think they're bad for lack of better words right and if i don't think they're bad one way or the other i'm just gonna do what the chart says limp and then call and go from there pop top pair yeah. go broke anyway yeah i mean and and, uh, and all that's fair but like i'm also coming from a point of knowing i'm ignorant like at least comparatively to the field in, in general and like i'm not you gotta trying study to study some man it's not hard sure, sure, sure. Website. <laughs> i'll give I you a free membership that. That, that 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 is that is the logical uh, path to take but instead i put myself in situations knowing that i i I'm generally going to get outplayed by the top 5% of poker players, and that's fine. So I, I choose to take higher uh, variant uh, paths uh, on purpose uh, instead of studying. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, it's worked out and not worked out. Like, you know, it's a very, very fine double-edged sword. 
Um, but you know, that that's kind of my thought. Like if, if you're going to get, basically if you get heads up against somebody, you know, is better than you, you take high variant spots. You, you start making it, you know, four or five X, you start like check raising more like loosely or whatever, just to kind of take the, uh, the skill out of the game a bit. And that's Justin, kind of I my thought. This... And even though it might be irrational, but that's, that's kind of what, like the way I attack a lot of those poker go tournaments. Pretend like you're an engineer for a minute. You're gonna have to put in a 40 hour work week. Okay. I have a 40 hour crash course on my site that will teach you to be better than almost everyone. Now, certainly not the best players in the world, sure. but you'll like kind of know how to play most spots on pokercoaching.com. Go check it out. The <laughs> tournament masterclass. We also have a cash game one. You're probably fine enough at cash games. So, uh, Maybe you should go through it at least the ICM spots. Very beneficial. No, for sure. Yeah, no, I, and, and it'll take I, you I like seven hours. Yeah, and I agree with that. Like it's, it's, it's part of like in my mind. I'm thinking like if I get regimented enough to where I play the exact same or you know at least a notch off of like the top players, then all of a sudden like my plays become regimented as opposed of feel or or reads or whatever. Like you know like and that's it's a little scary to me. Like I don't want to kind of go down that rabbit hole. And like I still should. I believe me, I should. I, yeah, I that's should. that's a cop out because you because you could can, you can still uh, you can still feel. Anything, yeah, if anything, yeah. it's gonna make you like just really awesome at those spots where your all your instincts can come into play. No, like, yeah, look in my me, like, mind, you you need to have a good strong uh, understanding of GTO strategies right. because if you don't really know where you're starting from, you're not gonna know how far to adjust and where to adjust to. And certainly, you can run solvers with node locking, so you like assume the opponent's going to raise too many bluffs and you're going to jam way more, right? right? So stuff like that. So the question is, how much more should you jam? Is Jack nine a shove or is it a call? Still, even if I'm raising too many bluffs, I don't know. But you can study that kind of stuff, right? And can you? I, I mean, like, if you never, listen to what I said, never used I, to solve it. <laughs> if you listen to what I said, even like Chidwick's doing, who I think is like trying to be a GTO robot, he will think of what the GTO chart says and then he'll adjust it to whatever he thinks the opponent's doing wrong. And quite often the answer is he doesn't know or nothing. If he doesn't know or nothing, your feelings matter way less, unless you're like super sharp at libraries or something, which right. obviously you're not against me. So, <laughs> you know, so you probably just need to play closer to GTO. No, or Realize, realize your feelings really don't matter and they're wrong and you should go against them. If you think you should rip it in, you should just fold instead. <laughs> John, you're 100% right, by the way. I, I'm, not, I'm not defending my stance out of any kind of a uh, place of, knowledge buddy, he's a, i'm he's just a trying coach. to help this my is friend what he does. he's trying, he's no, trying no. to bring you up no, I, i'm just trying to bring you up buddy no no i i, no, I all i that. want is for you to finally win something at life <laughs> you put in your time man you put in your time come on please i want to see you succeed yeah it, i i remind myself it's 9 a.m in vegas right now and you're having beer <laughs> chatting about poker in a green screen room come on man I so want you to fun. win. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually view myself in kind of a dinosaur-ish uh, spot where like when I got a decent at poker or whatever, uh, 2007, 8, 9, whatever, a lot of the older pros would come in and still do the things they shouldn't do, like raise to 5X and like they would never defend like three bets and stuff like that. And I was like, oh so exploitable like these idiots like they're just going to die out soon and now i'm the idiot and i understand that and like i'm, I'm holding on to uh how i want poker to be as opposed to adapting and that's that is one of my flaws that, but, i have but, many flaws but guess what that's why we have our own game at table one because this <laughs> yeah, is where the dinosaurs own. play <laughs> <That's right. laughs> if you don't want to play against someone that's super good you can either get better 
for, you can start your own game. <laughs> Those, Those are, are the two options in cash games nowadays. You either got to be super good or make your own. You're right. But I mean, look, I realized that I was a dinosaur too. And right. the only way for a dinosaur to compete is to learn from the young ones. And so, you know, I hired a bunch of young ones or built up a bunch of young ones myself and learn from them. I mean, that that's one of the main benefits of my site besides making me good, consistent income. It forces me to watch content from good players who I, who are crushing the games, right? And I'm, I mean, I'm actively trying to hire a lot of the best poker players in the world to make content because I want to know what they're doing. I want to learn from them. And I'm sure they know, but how do they get in touch with you if they do want to be hired? Yeah, they can find me. I I find them. <laughs> Just search. On this Berkey's, is not an this is Berkey's not an open timeline call. or Negranu's timeline, and look for the guy that they're bashing or defending, and direct message them. I'm the one who doesn't say anything. It's so funny that Berkey posted something like, "We butt heads for this reason." I'm like, I'm not butting anybody's head, man. You're just running into my belly for fun. Like, I don't get it. I'm just standing here taking headbutts in my belly, and you think we're fighting? We're locking horns. Like, what are you talking about? I haven't replied one time. Crazy. Oh, dude, this Actually, is awesome. crazy. Could you imagine running your head into someone's belly and thinking that you're fighting? And that they, they, they're that they're engaging with you? Yeah, dude. I got I got two little kids too. I just you just hold your hand out and you're like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Like, okay, have fun. One of Enjoy yourself. Swing, get, get it all out of yourself, buddy. Get all your energy out. It's time to we're go. Gonna, to I think we're going to have Berkey on here soon, actually. So he's going to he's gonna be butting heads at this computer. I'll have to, I'll have to defend it from him. <laughs> Don't say anything about poker strategy. He may not like it. <laughs> That's all right. You didn't like yeah. his poker strategy with the Jack 9 off. Because <laughs> well, it was pissed I get it. If he, thinks, if he thinks I have nothing, then sure, rip it in. Again, like, <laughs> what's the GTO range strategy look like? If I have way too much King X, Queen X, Jack X, 10 X, which, which I will have a lot of, as bluffs, then you can probably rip anything, right? But I know I don't. You don't know. Yeah, Maybe exactly. you could look and tell. Maybe you're like a live read guy. You thought you just thought I didn't have it. But no, again, no, there's wrong. no live reads at all. Like I, I didn't have a plan. <laughs> I just didn't want to play Jack Nine oh, out of position against somebody I thought that was better than me at poker. I didn't think mm -hmm. I could realize any kind of real value, and I would have to like check fold a lot of turns and. Oh, you were doing okay. chickened out by not chickening out. <laughs> well, look, yeah, you aggressively chickened out. Of, you roostered. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, poker is all about just like realizing your equity, right? And if, Jack Nine's good because you make a pair and then you just don't fold. Because it's like right. top or middle pair, you know? So see the flop, make a pair, don't fold. <laughs> all you can do. And yeah, yeah you, that kind of I mean, seriously, whoever now. said, <laughs> whoever said you're going to go broke on the jack high board, yeah, they're right. I mean, if I was in your shoes, I would have limped, saw the flop, flopped the jack, check call, check call, check call to induce as many bluffs as I possibly can and yeah. lose. So, yeah. So, either way, I would have been out. So, I played it perfectly. I just I expedited uh, the play because it, it probably yeah, the hand would have taken the, the, the hand would have taken about another five minutes, let's say, maybe four minutes. So, I, I, I didn't in the money for the took another five minutes. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I. <laughs> I feel like the way I played it was, was the best for the the tournament whole. You know, just got him back into the cash game pretty quickly too, and I think he, I think he lost another ten or so there. So. That is true. You're a team player. You're just trying to help everybody out. You're still in a party. That's. I did I learn a long time ago in business. It's very important. You have to do two things. You have to give people a very good time, and you have to give them money. And if you give them a good time and money, they will like you. And that's why I have a lot of fans because I give them a fun time on my training site. We have parties, we have events, you know, we get together and do fun things. So they're having fun. And um, I give them money in the form of 
learning how to play poker and make extracting value, right? Is that why and, we're friends, John? Because I give you a good time and money? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, all my <laughs> friends give me a good time and money. Uh, <laughs> friends are interesting. Oh. I, I haven't thought about why friends are friends. I think I try to surround myself with good, happy people who just want to enjoy themselves. All my friends just want to enjoy themselves. They're not mean. They're not drama-filled. There's no drama. I've never had drama with Justin in my entire life. We've only known each other 20-something years. And, <laughs> like... Yeah, that's that's the kind of person I surround myself with. And to be fair, look, I don't have a ton of call them friends, right? Like that I'm talking to on a regular basis. But I think that's fine. Maybe like eight or ten, you know, eight or ten people who vibe perfectly with me, and we're great friends. Yeah, that's it. You don't got to make everybody happy. Everyone's not for everyone, and that is a okay. I think a lot of people on social media think that they have to appease everyone, and I recognize everyone's not going to like me, even though I'm the most likable person in poker. It's okay. <laughs> Fine. You guys see that video where Nick Schulman said he wanted to punch me in the face? Dude, I love that video. How honest and cool is that? <laughs> that was I'm sorry. Cool I, I don't know if you actually liked it or not. I, I thought it was. I loved terrific. it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I was watching it. I'm like, I wanted to punch him in the face. And I remember like, he was not happy when he left. <laughs> I could see. I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. He's out of the room. <laughs> we need, and I, and some, I even uh... had it in my mind. Make sure you apologize to him next time. You see him because he was clearly unhappy with you. So for those who did not see the, the video, essentially we were on the bubble of the 25K. I'm at the other table, short stacked. I had just lost this big pot where I had a full house, okay? It was an absurd pot. I had a full house and I lost. And I got down to five big blinds. A real full house, not a BS full house. I saved my last five big blinds to try to sneak in the money in the 25K. Like the next hand, I go over there. Shulman's all in for his short stack with aces against queen, nine of hearts. Clock comes like nine, four, two or something. And I say, okay. <laughs> obviously rooting against him because yeah. I'm, I'm the other shorty. And then the turn was a queen. And he's like, is that okay too, John? Is that okay? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe. Never expected him to lose. <laughs> I love the, the then, joy in your face as you told that yeah. story. Yeah. Nick, going, Nick, you're going to have to make another video just about yeah. how happy John but, just was when recounting so, you busting. And, and for those who haven't seen the video, they should go back and watch it, where Nick basically says, like, I kind of like what John did. Like, he kind of backtracked. Yeah, at the end, he's like, I can kind of respect the fact that he's yeah. living in the moment. And, I mean, yeah. look, like I said, it, I, for the last year or so, I've been just having fun and... If I need to root against you, I will a little bit for fun, you know? Nick can take it. He's going to bubble tournaments. I remember one time I played with him in Borgata. I think he flew in, ran to the poker room. You know, you have to drive from Philadelphia or wherever. So, like, he got there a little bit late. And on, like, the third hand of the day, he flopped quads and lost to a straight flush. And I think his opponent did not even know he had the straight flush. <laughs> and Nick just got up and left. That guy's taking some beats. He's going to take some beats. He can handle it. He's a strong person, even though apparently he wanted to get violent with me in that exact moment, <laughs> which, you know, I'm sure we've all felt. Yeah. But, yeah, Good to that, be I, real. Good to to, to be me, real. I, I appreciate both sides of that. I, I appreciate yeah. the emotions that you felt and I appreciate the emotions that he felt because I think that needs to actually happen more in poker as opposed to less. Like the 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 idea of like everyone needs to be stone faced and like oh gg good game you know like you know good run or whatever that's bullshit because inside like both parties are like thinking vastly different thoughts at the time and like i think <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think i mean look i think you can whenever i bubbled the other day when i bluffed it off to byron i like got up and said i fist bumped everyone like good job guys you did it like as a joke you know it's fun it's funny <laughs> and sometimes you're gonna bubble it's okay 
especially if you're trying to get a hold of chips. If you're the short stack, you're definitely going to bubble a lot. And I can guarantee you every other person with fewer than 20 big blinds is very much rooting against you. Very much. But for some reason, they will not tell you. But I do not mind. I'll be honest and say, I hope you lose. Yeah. I mean, poker is still quite popular right now. I'm not, I'm not boohooing it, but I do think it get more popular with more characters that are more genuine with their actual feelings in the, in the heat of the moment. And I understand like there's a respect value attached to people celebrating like, as long as you don't celebrate in someone's face, you know, like it's, I think it's okay to be happy for yourself or be sad for yourself at the same time. So do you think he should have punched me? Cause that's no, what he wanted no, to no, do. No, no. That would have been well, his authentic self. I think in that exact second, but I mean, <laughs> he look, he's a strong self-control of person. I love Nick Schulman. I think he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I have only respect for him, but, but look, to be fair, you know, do what you do what you need to do. I'm just saying that if, if he would just turn to you and said, fuck you, John and left, I think that would have been <laughs> quite reasonable. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, to be fair, I profusely apologize. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Even though everyone wants to fight on me on the internet, I'm not trying to offend anyone at all, okay? I'm just trying to show up, add value, have a good time. That's it. That's uh, it. Well, I had, Crush I had them a at the poker table. really good time in this conversation. Yeah. A lot better than I thought I was going to have. This was You sweet. think I'm boring? <laughs> I thought you were boring. Turns out... You're awesome. I, I tried to tell him, John. I tried to tell him. He did. He kept saying it, and I'm like, we'll see. We'll see how John is. Uh... I love John. Well, so this is actually a bad thing that I have with my persona, is that I think a lot of people think I'm a little bit boring and not fun. So I started doing this Monday morning show at 9 a.m. I'll just, like, get online and talk about some topic and hang out, you know? And I think that's gone a long way to helping people realize that I'm reasonable and fun and not a robot. Certainly, I have robotic thoughts and all of that, but... I'm chill. I'm normal-ish. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. I, mean, this, I program I myself. I, <laughs> I program myself to be good, happy robot instead of sad robot. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I did used to be like very reserved and very like negative thinking in general. And I don't know when the switch flipped, but I mean, I was, it was when I stopped wearing the hoodie and the sunglasses and on the head and the headphones just started like started enjoying myself because yeah. we only have one life to live. Time's running out. Better hurry. Yeah. You I, think having well kids, I think having kids helps a lot too because uh i got i got two little girls and and you just don't give as much of a shit once you you know are kind of grooming and growing something <laughs> that, that is part of your family i don't know maybe that's just me but you got a couple of young young yeah. bucks running around i think that eventually you realize that and most the passive things income just, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say most things just don't matter that much and yeah, passive income helps. Having kids that you're that you care about more than most things helps. Having having friends that you can hang out with, like all these things, help you have perspective about what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, we're all playing children's card games for fiat money, and none of it really matters that much. Damn right. Damn. Don't right. lose all your money playing though. If you have a gambling addiction, do not uh, lose all your money. <laughs> when the fun Justin, stops. Justin, Justin. Justin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he he did just hit that uh, 10k video poker jackpot the other day at the uh, at the bar before the game, and yeah. uh, and everyone was congratulating him. And he turns to me and he says, "Art, uh, that got me even for January on video poker." <laughs> I was about to say, I'm sure you had a really big edge in that bar video poker game. <laughs> he gets his drinks worth. Yeah, yeah. between drinks and jacks comps, are better. Like I, a seven-three jacks are better game is probably what you're playing. He's ultimate oh, it, now. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's 98.5% return. It's not bad. It's sure. not the best, but it's not bad. It's not the best. But Do you play it as bad. well as you play regular poker? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Probably about the <laughs> same. <laughs> so we're, we're at like 92% then. 
<laughs> that's not so bad. You can get a lot of drinks though. That's pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, think of the value. Uh, you know, they have these things called liquor stores. You can buy your own drinks and it's not that expensive. Those cost money. Like this these bottle of wine, free. enough to fill this whole goblet, costs like, I don't know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is. Right, it's way I, cheaper than 10,000. I'm not allowed to go in and bring a bottle of Macallan into the casino. There's unions. You can do whatever you want. You're Robert 07. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Anything, 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 you want to, uh, anything you want to leave the people with? I feel like we're... Uh... Yeah, running running late on our own game here that we have to start soon. <laughs> wow, you guys start early. Enjoy yourself, have fun, make the most of your opportunities. Your time is limited. Check out pokercoaching.com. If you don't like it, get all your money back. Justin, please study some poker. You're playing big buy-in games. This is good for you. You need to do it. Just take a take an hour a day for like a week. You'll be so much better. <laughs> and everybody else here, Justin's already pretty good. So imagine how much better you will be in an hour a week. <laughs> Thanks for that compliment. Oh, this is great. And then uh, for everyone out there, that just leaves one thing. And I think you know what that thing is. And Jonathan's watched some, so he knows too. It's the uh, something we have called the Degenerates Agreement. We, we make all this content, uh, but it's not for free. We need you. Uh, every time you subscribe, like, retweet, all that jazz, it, uh, it makes us more likely to make more of these. So if you want more content and more great interviews with uh, degenerate gamblers and sharp businessmen like uh, Mr. <laughs> Little here, then uh, then yeah, help us out and we will help you. Yep. It's free Perfect. to click like and subscribe and most importantly, tell two people who you think will like this. Good idea. Then the show will get a whole lot better. Yeah, you know two people, don't you guys? <laughs> two. Just Everybody two. knows two people. Yeah. <laughs> Easy game. All right. Thanks, John. This is sweet. All right, man. Love you. Enjoy your game. Thank you for having me. Bye. Don't get too drunk. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. You want to learn how to beat Byron? Oh, yeah. What is it? <laughs> uh, well, I haven't played with him he, in five years. But he fucks my money every time. He always has the he has, he has two things that he does, which I think... Oh, what was that? Balloons just came up on my Celebrate. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm finally going to beat Byron. Hey, me and my buddy, buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah. I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching a slack. Me and my buddy.